Luke chapter 24. I wanted to look at the topic today of we serve a living Savior. We'll start in Luke 24. wonderful record here we've read before I know a few times but we'll start in verse 1 it says now upon the first day of the week very early in the morning they came unto the sepulchre bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus and it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee? Simple question, simple truth, you know. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? the dead now this may be a very very simple truth for us and we've probably known it for a long time you know we have we have to be knowledgeable and confident and assured and be able to tell others about that we serve a living savior he is alive um, there are a lot of faiths out there that follow prophets and people and so forth that spoke maybe a thousand years ago and they're dead they're not around Jesus Christ is a living Savior he is alive look at uh, later on uh, in verse 13 and behold two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus which was from Jerusalem about three three score furlongs and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What are you talking about? What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? <laughs> Such a great conversation. And they said unto him, Come on, man, <laughs> concerning Jesus of Nazareth, <laughs> which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women, also of our company, made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre, when they found not his body. They made them astonished because they hadn't found his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman had said, women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He reproved them for not believing the truth that he was alive. That they, they were astonished. We heard these women talking about that he was alive. He said, you know, uh, he, and he, he reproved them for not believing the scriptures. And beginning verse 27, at Moses and all the prophets, he explain, expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And you can leave a marker here for a second. Let's begin at Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Now, I don't know what he told them. There's no record of it, unfortunately. But it says, I said he began at Moses. Maybe he, maybe he told them about this verse. I don't know. Let's look at a few verses where he might have gone. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. And this is Moses. And he said in verse 15, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, him ye, unto him ye shall hearken. He said he began at Moses and went to the prophets. Well, let's look at Isaiah chapter 7. Like, again, I don't know if he went here. I'd like to be able to say I know every verse in the Old Testament where that talks about Jesus Christ, but that would be a lie. <laughs> I don't know where he went, but you know, maybe he went to these verses. Maybe he told them these things. Listen, this was talked about me a long time ago. It, you know, my God said that this was going to happen. Don't you believe what my God said? Look at this, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Chapter 8 of Isaiah, verse 14 again. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of a stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And that's quoted in the New Testament. Isaiah 53. Come on, he, he must have gone to Isaiah 53. <laughs> I don't know. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised. You know, you can almost see him. When he was sharing this with them on the road to Emmaus, they still didn't know who he was. They still didn't know it was him. And he's telling them about himself. They still didn't even know. <laughs> verse 3. He is despised and rejected. He could have said, I am despised. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, or sicknesses, and carried our sorrows. So that's referring to sin and sickness. Yeah, and those are the words that are used in Matthew, where this is quoted. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, 
and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Psalm 22. Now he didn't mention Psalms there, but he does mention it later when he's talking to those young men, those men. And so we'll just we'll just look at it now while we're here, and not jump back when he mentions Psalms. Psalms 22, verse 7. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot shoot their lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Verse 18. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. You can almost see him. Didn't you guys see that happen? You know what this was, what my God and Father said? He led him through the word of God, told him about himself, that he was alive. Verse, uh, Psalm 69. Verse 4, Psalm 69. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored, which I took not away. Verse 9. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. Verse 21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. See, all these signposts that God had put in His Word pointing to He that was to be the Savior of the world. Not just Israel, the Savior of the world. The book of John says that He was the Savior of the whole world. You know, we sometimes talk about the Gospels written to Israel. Yeah, they're written to Israel, but they're also written to others. The, word, the book of John, for example, specifically talks about a book that says, God so loved the whole world. He, God pointed the way to this, this, the coming Messiah that would save the whole world. And he said, pointing to them, here, look at this. Look at what this says. Look at, look at 110. One more on Psalms. 110. There are lots here. Psalm 110, verse 4 is where we're going. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 When Israel was a child then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt He called Joseph and Mary they went to Egypt he called them out of Egypt again quoted in the New Testament and finally Micah chapter 5 Micah chapter 5 verse 2 but thou, o Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. See, he led him through. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24. Like I said, I don't know what verses he used. I'm sure, of one thing I am certain of, he put them together in a far better and tighter way than I possibly ever could, or anybody possibly could. But I don't know where he went to. 
but you know, but he led him through. He said he took him f- from the Moses, the beginning of Moses, and led him through the Psalms. Verse 28, and they drew nigh. Actually, let's do on verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. He, he, you know, they recognized them later. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. See, they didn't believe he was alive. That's what he had told them. He's going to, even the angel said, Look, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's alive. And here they're saying, Oh, this can't be true. He's, he's, it's a spirit. Verse 38, And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and feet, that it is I, myself, handle me, and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones that you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not <laughs> for joy, and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here, have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it, and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. This was, this God, my father said this was going to happen. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. He showed them from the word of God that this was going to be a living Savior, that he would be alive. God wasn't going to send somebody who was going to speak you know, for a little while and then have no impact afterwards. He is alive this very second, this very, very instant. He's alive and is a living ministry. He has living responsibilities that he has to fulfill to honor his father. Look at Luke, uh, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Verse 14. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. They didn't believe that they had seen him. Verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, you know, if, if he had said this, and then he wasn't there later on, you might have cause to doubt. Say, well, yeah, this guy was here a long time ago. He said these things, and who knows what, 
Well, that's not what happened. Verse 19, So that after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. You see, he's, he's very, very active in what he's doing now. It's not just, okay, see ya. Now I can go and rest. No, he is very, very active. He is a living Savior. That's why people can call upon the name of Jesus Christ today and things happen because he's a living Savior. He's not just some, you know, some of the other fates ever since they heard about, oh, these Christians are really crazy about this resurrection. Let's say that our guy was raised too. Let's try to go on par. You know, they've tried that. That doesn't make it so. God didn't raise those other. He raised Jesus Christ. He's the only one who was raised and is still living today. We know that. Other guys might want to say what they want to say, but he is a living Savior. He has a living ministry. Look at Acts chapter 27. Acts 27. What a blessing to know that we serve a living Savior. Acts 27, where are we? Verse 12. And this is because, that's not where I want to go. Acts 26, verse 12. Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, this is Paul talking about his conversion. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. When we had were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Jesus Christ is alive. This is way after the resurrection. Many years, you know, he says, He is alive. And I said, It's verse 16, but rise. And stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. By the way, I'm not leaving you alone, Paul. I'm calling you to do this for me, but I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to appear, and there's a record. We know those records. I'm going to be there. He's a living Savior. He doesn't just say, go out and do this, and then there's no support. There's no help. God didn't put him where he put him just to sit around. Verse 17, Delivering thee from the gent people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. You know, this ministry, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, isn't that exactly what we do when we speak the word of God to somebody? You take them out of darkness and into the light, into the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Uh, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And then he says, I wasn't disobedient, and I did exactly what I was asked to do. Chapter 23 of Acts. When Paul was in Jerusalem. Acts 23, verse 10. This is later in chronological order from the record we just read, but... Because there he was thinking back to his conversion, but this is earlier. Acts 23, verse 10. 
And when there arose a great dissension, dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle or fortress. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. He is a living Savior. Here he was. He saw his man in need and said, Okay, don't worry. You know, by the way, this is way early in, in, in before Paul even goes on all along that journey and on the ship and all that. So even before that time, remember when they had lost all hope? Well, here, Jesus Christ had already told him, you're going to bear witness for me at Rome. So he already told him, you're going to make it to Rome. It's interesting. In Acts 25, we're over here, verse 13. And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea, or Bernice, to salute Festus, and when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king. There was a certain man left in bond by, bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, Why well, it is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die, before that he which is accused have the accusers face to face, and have license to answer for himself, concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither, without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth. Against whom, when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed. But at certain questions against him of their own superstition, and of one Jesus which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. You know, here they were arguing, arguing with him, these guys... And Paul was saying, no, but he's alive. See, the argument was to say, he's not, he's dead. And he, on the other hand, is saying, no, he's alive. Remember, this goes back to the conspiracy. Remember the conspiracy? You know, just, you know, this could get even really bad if, if he actually gets raised. So why don't you just say that, you know, the people came and took his body away until the later thing is worse than what happened, you know? They're paying off the devil, basically paying off for people won't believe that he was alive. And later here, Paul, here's Paul again. What's the simple truth? He's saying, he's alive. What a great message to tell somebody. You want to serve a living Savior? Well, I can tell you by somebody who's actually alive. He does things. He has a ministry. He's alive. We serve a living Savior. Look at Romans chapter 10. You know this verse. What does it say? You know what this verse says? Let's read it. Romans chapter 10. What did you say? When you said this, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, we know that, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. You basically, we basically, when we said this, we said, you know what we said? We said, he's alive. I believe he's alive. He is a living Savior. That's what God requires of every person to confess that, yes, my son is alive. And then guess, give some eternal life. That's a nice, that's a nice, that's a good deal. A gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, a gift that keeps on giving. That's a, that's a good deal. You know, what a great deal. He's alive. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. A few more verses here. He is alive. He has a living 
ministry with active responsibilities. Luke chapter 7, sorry, Hebrews chapter 7, not Luke. Verse 14, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And yet it is far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, and we just read that Old Testament scripture, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. He is alive. Endless life. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before... Sorry, verse 17. For he testified... I read the wrong verse. For he testified, thou art a priest for how long? Forever. Forever after the order of Melchizedek. He is alive. The power of an endless life. Forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 24 in the same chapter. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Continues forever. Unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth. How many other ways can God say it? He ever liveth to make intercession for them. And we'll close in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We serve a living Savior. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, the entire crux of of everything that God has ever done and everything you and I, we, you and me, we hold dear is tied to the truth that Jesus Christ is living today. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul makes that wonderful argument. You know, no resurrection, we don't have anything. Resurrection, we have everything. <laughs> you can read that for your own, you know, that ver- those verses. And here, again, here, he wrought this power that you right now currently hold in your life, the power that you currently hold, He wrought in Christ when, when you raised Him from the dead. When you have Christ in you, that's why you have access to the power you currently have. This is because God wrought it in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. He is alive and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. In the heavenlies. Far above all principality, and all and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. You know there is nothing, nothing greater. There's no one, nothing greater. No, I was talking to Jane. We're talking. Um, I was think. I was think that Pharaoh and Joseph. You know, we talked about this before. Is a wonderful mind picture of the way God and Jesus Christ work. I don't know if you know it's a type, but it seems to me it's a type of. God and Jesus Christ, because when Joseph was given the responsibility, Pharaoh just told him, look, when they came to Pharaoh, what did he say? You know, you just, you know, Joseph will take care of you. And when Joseph said, Pharaoh told Joseph, only in the throne am I greater than you. That's what he told him. Only in the throne. That's exactly what God told Jesus Christ. You know, he goes, you're my son. Here's the authority far above all power and might and dominion. The only thing he's not greater than is what? God. And we read in Corinthians and later on, he's going to 
Some be submitted to him that put all things under him. So all things under, there's nothing that is not under him except God. You know, um, all power and might and dominion in every name that is named. I don't care how many millions of people name other names. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that there is no other name except the name of Jesus Christ. And God wrought that power in that name. That's why you and I can rely on that name. If he was a dead savior or a dead prophet or a dead whatever holy man, then there's no, there's no power, there's no authority. But he is a living savior. A living, confirming the word with signs following. All these things, responsibilities that he has, an ever-changeable priesthood, captain of our salvation, intercessor, mediator, Lord, head of the body. I mean, it goes on. We've looked at these things in the past. All these responsibilities. He couldn't carry any of these out if he was not alive. Simple truth, but powerful. But also in that world, not only in this age, the world, world, world is age, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. This is a long-term thing we, which is going on here. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In chapter 2, verse 6, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding grace, riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You know, he, he has an amazing ministry and he, he's a living, living Savior. God raised him from the dead, gave him all these amazing responsibilities. You know, and we, you know, we, um, and it's not just about now. You know, the more you look at God's word, the more you live your life, the more you see that, you know, the things of this world, uh, there's nothing here. There really isn't, you know. Um, and we have the man in Ecclesiastes spent all his time trying to find some purpose and, you know, reward in the things of the earth. And he said, you know what? Vanity, emptiness, nothing really here, you know, um, without God. But when you have God in it, all of a sudden things have value. Things mean something. You know, uh, the way Job said it was, you know, you're naked, you come, and naked, you go. <laughs> That's it, done. What, what, what lasts? What actually lasts into the coming age is what you do for the Lord Jesus Christ. That will last. Everything else is emptiness, it's vanity. There's nothing there, you know. So he is a living Savior, and I thank God that he is living today. Not, no, not, and he's able to carry on his ministry effectively because he's backed by a pretty powerful, almighty God. Right? So, amen.